Coming up the champagne pocket. It's my house. Come on, turn it up. Welcome to this episode of Wall Street to Main Street. I'm your host, Emily Bonnie, here with my co-host, finance expert and author, and my husband, Ruben Advani. Hi, Ruben. Hello, Emily. This episode is brought to you by the Investment Banking Institute, a global leader in financial training for nearly 20 years, with more than 40,000 professionals trained. To learn more, visit ibanking.com. Real estate, another industry that has been upended by the COVID-19 pandemic. On this episode, we are going to take a look at the latest from the real estate industry. We are joined today by Kevin Michaels, managing partner at Cross Properties, a real estate investment and development company headquartered in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Over the last seven years, Cross Properties has acquired and developed multifamily, student housing, mixed use, and retail assets with a total transaction volume in excess of $500 million. Kevin has over 15 years experience in investments and capital placement. Kevin has been closely involved in real estate transaction that span millions of square feet, valued at hundreds of millions and across all asset classes. His experience ranges from fundraising to acquisitions, to structuring financing, to tax credits, leasing and property management. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks for having me, Ruben. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Just a quick disclaimer that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to our hosts and guests and not necessarily to our employers, organizations, committees, or other groups or individuals. The content is for informational purposes only and should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, medical, or other advice. So according to a National Association of Realtors survey in early May, 42% of buyers and 51% of sellers said they would delay because of the coronavirus. About 73% of sellers also reported a decline in buyer interest, 30% of whom said it had fallen by more than half. But the report also mentioned that sellers by and large aren't reducing their prices to try to attract buyers. CNBC reported total listings were down 19% annually while new listings had fallen 39% for the week ending May 2nd. So Kevin, there's a lot going on here. Um, Can you give us a sense of what it's been like on your end of the real estate industry since Philadelphia and really all of Pennsylvania has been on lockdown due to the pandemic? I think the phrase is just ducky. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It has been an interesting time. you mentioned a little bit about my background in cross properties. Uh, we started actually in 2010 uh, during the last, uh, I'll call collapse in, in the financial market, particularly uh, in the real estate market. So uh, we've been here before and, I, and I'm going to guess that uh, this spawns a lot of uh, new companies uh, out of uh, necessity. Uh, that remains to be seen, but that's my uh, prediction. How it's impacting us, uh, as you pointed out, uh, our primary focus these days are on apartments uh, and student housing. I'd say 80% of our portfolio is, is uh, on apartments, uh, 20% on, on student housing. And um, uh, on the apartment side, yes, traffic is definitely down, uh, but closing rates are up. Meaning if, if you're getting somebody knocking on your door right now uh, during this pandemic, they're darn serious about moving. 
uh, gone are the days where husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend hold hands and, and say, what do you want to do this weekend, honey? Why don't we go look for a new place to live? Uh, none of that is is happening right now. The people that are moving right now are, are drop dead serious. Uh, and so our, our closing ratio has gone probably from 30% up to 75 or 80%. But traffic year over year is down uh, 30, uh, about 30%. Um, so... As you mentioned, uh, on lockdown construction, we had about five different uh, projects going on, uh, four of which were on the 10-yard line. So we were shut down for approximately uh, 60 days uh, due to Governor Wolf's uh, orders. Uh, and as of May 1st, uh, we are back open. So we were offline for about uh, 60 days. We're excited to be back open, but uh, to be frank, it's a little bit wonky on, on the reopen. Uh, there are new guidelines in place as to how many people can be on the job site, how close they are, how many times they have to wash their hands. There are safety people that now need to be uh, certified and um, need to be you know, ticking and tying with the clipboards to make sure everyone's following the guidelines. So uh, one anecdote, uh, one of our projects in Ballakinwood, uh, we had at peak about 90 folks swinging a hammer and and uh, various other trades were uh, during the reopen, it's closer to 30 people. Uh, they do expect that to re-ramp up, but again, it's everyone's getting comfortable with uh, the new norm. Um, I would say during that time frame, we probably had 250 people sitting on the sidelines uh, watching Netflix while this construction was down, and that's that's little old us. You can you can expand that to the state, you can expand that to the country, and you start to understand, uh, you know, where that 31 million uh, uh, jobless uh, claim. Uh, of unemployment uh, starts to, to happen, particularly, you know, with the construction industry. Uh, the lifeblood of our company right now that we're keeping our, our, our finger on the pulse is, is collections. Uh, April 1, uh, our collections were in the mid-90s. Uh, May 1 just came and went, uh, and again, uh, we were in the mid-90s. Uh, we didn't quite know what to expect. Uh, we tend to be in what I'd call the, the high rent district or the higher income areas. Uh, that's the product that we deliver and that's the audience that we speak to. It's my feeling that these folks are less affected than, than um, uh, what I'll call middle uh, income earners or, uh, or lower. Um, and the evidence uh, sort of supports that in our, our collections that we haven't skipped much of a beat. I would say average of 95%. Uh, right now, I think our, our worst performing asset is around 11% uh, of accounts receivable, and our best is about 3%. Uh, but by and large, uh, uh, I think we're faring fairly well. The first number that came out in early April from the uh, National Apartment Association was uh, rent collections were I believe they said like 70%, which was a, sh a shocking number, but it, that goes from Beverly Hills to Camden and, and everything in between. And, and that was sort of the first week. And, and I think the devil's in the details. Uh, certainly we've had uh, uh, outperformed that uh, considerably. Uh, having said that, uh, we are working with uh, our lenders. Lenders have been uh, accommodating. Uh, where we have agency lenders uh, like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which is essentially your tax dollars and my tax dollars lending to folks like us so that we can build housing for the masses. Uh, they've had a, a ask for a 90-day deferral uh, of uh, mortgage uh, payments uh, in exchange. You can't, quote-unquote, evict anyone. 
Our evictions are few and far between. We don't want to do it. We certainly don't want to do it in this environment. And even if we wanted to do it, the, the court systems are closed. Uh, so the ability to do that uh, is, is darn near impossible. Um, so those were easy trades to make. Uh, those are what we call the agency lenders. The commercial lenders that actually hold these loans on their balance sheet, they can't just kind of look look away and say, no problem, no uh, no harm, no foul. They have regulators that, that are tracking their ratios and making sure that their loans are, are good and they have certain capital requirements and so forth. So the kind of trickle down has to happen is if my tenant asks for relief, then I need to get relief from the lender and the lender needs to get relief from the regulatory agencies. And I don't know if that's trickle up or, or trickle down, but everyone needs to kind of get in line and, and play ball. Uh, if, if it's a serious request or a, uh, you know, a, we'll call it a major hardship. Um, by and large, uh, all of the banks that we've had requests uh, into uh, have accommodated our requests. And that could range anywhere from uh, skipping a payment to skipping three payments to skipping uh, principal payments and only paying interest, uh, extending the loan, uh, et cetera, There's, it can, or, or lowering the interest rate. It can come in various forms. Uh, and uh, as I've shared, uh, by and large, the, uh, the banks have been uh, accommodating. And I'll simply say for this kind of 90-day period, which is a, a mild kick the can down the street, we all think that 90 days later, things are going to be either back to normal or back to some semblance of normalcy. And um, uh, that's certainly our hope. And that kind of goes through the end of June. Talk me through some of the, the bright spots in this, because, you know, you hit on a couple of key topics. Specifically, Freddie Mac reported, uh, you know, mortgage. We all know that mortgage rates are at historic lows. And Freddie Mac reported the 30 year fixed is around 3.28 percent. And the 15 year is at about 2.72 percent. Is there any silver lining in this in terms of the work you do or what the broader uh, construction and development ecosystem is seeing? Are you able to even consider refinancing existing projects right now? The short answer is uh, we hope so. Uh, I'll be frank and tell you that we have had a couple lenders uh, walk from deals uh, where we were hoping to be able to take advantage of refinance. And they kind of just threw their hands up in the air and said, you know, we're not in the lending business right now. Um, so there's there's two things there. No, number one, they need to you need to get their attention. You need to focus uh, them on new opportunities, new deals, rather than their existing pain points, which are their existing deals. Uh, and and um, and number two, all of this stuff trades at an index uh, or a, a spread above above the index. So. While the ten-year, where a lot of our loans have uh, are based off of, has dropped from two or three percent down to today, it's at 0.6. Uh, you'd say, "Woohoo! It sounds like a you know a, a a big win." The banks have widened their spread, so they're eating into uh, that cost savings. They're saying, "Hey, if we're one of the few banks that are out there actively lending." we're going to command or demand more of a profit. We're going to widen our spread from one to one and a half percent or 100 to 150 basis points to maybe 250 to 300 basis points. So they're eating into some of that savings. Um, so, you know, on the surface, it sounds great that rates have dropped. You just need to find lenders that are still actually putting money out there. Uh, and, you know, those that are uh, are saying we're taking more risk in this environment. We want to be paid for that. Um, so 
you know, fortunately, none of our loans are being, uh, you know, forced to refinance or we don't have any loan maturities that would necessitate that. So we've been able to kind of take our time and work side by side with banks to say, OK, we're not going to we're not going to try and jam this in when when, you know, there's total chaos. Let's work together uh, to get to a closing, even if that's 30 or 60 days later than expected. One last thing I wanted to mention is the the CMBS market is sort of another leg to this stool here. Uh, in the words of Tom Barrick from uh, Colony Capital, said there there is no bid out there. So one of our loans that we were uh, working with a, a Bald's Bracket Bank uh, to refinance uh, gave us a CMBS term sheet, and then they've kind of been very quiet, uh, and we haven't pushed them, and they haven't said. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting to the closing table. They're saying and doing all the right things. Uh, but I think part of the reality is, is they're pooling these potential loans. They'll syndicate them as a whole, as a whole pool. Uh, but they have to, they're testing the market to see if there's anybody that's actually going to be out there to, to buy these loans so that they're not stuck uh, with them. Uh, you know, they're looking for a, a syndicate uh, partner, if you will. So again, kind of Ruben, it's another example of, Rates have dropped. Uh, the rate that they gave us of 3.4% for 10-year money would be outstanding. The question is, is there anybody on the other side that's willing to actually execute that? Kevin, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, this so multi-layered, as the real estate industry always is, but especially in times like these, between mortgage rates, as you said, um, renters and buyers with feet on the ground um, who it, it sounds like the ones who are out there are serious. Um, so you have high conversion rates, but you also have the construction. Um, you know, there's so many layers here, but I am really interested in hearing about um, university students. I know you mentioned you have properties that cater specifically to university students. What has that been like since um, universities have been shut down and students went home? Um, what do you, you know, what has it been like? And then, what do you foresee, hopefully, in the next coming months and for this upcoming semester? Cal State, uh, the Cal State's uh, university system a couple days ago just announced their 23 campuses and 500,000 students will not be coming back in the fall. Wow. wow. Uh, that is, uh, <laughs> I think it's the fifth largest um, uh, student pool in, in the country. University of, that's a different from the University of California system. I don't know how many uh, students are there, but I, I, I presume, again, it's another six-figure number, is also debating making the same uh, judgment call. They said, listen, we can't wait until August to say it's go time and let's hurry up for the next 30 days and figure out how to bring students back on campus. The responsible thing to do is make the judgment call right now, plan accordingly, and revisit this for the spring semester. You know, um, if, if, you're a, if you're a big Ivy League and you've got a multi-billion dollar endowment, you can afford to make these decisions. And that's, that's not Cal State's position. But, uh, you know, if you're Harvard, you, you could say we're not opening in the fall. If you're, and I won't name names, but, you know, there's at least a dozen in the Philadelphia area and there's hundreds or thousands across the country of schools that are 2,000 students, 1,000 students, 5,000 students that have... Uh, already faced uh, stress uh, on their balance sheet. Uh, their credit has been dinged by by their expansion, kind of this arms race to to create the the nicest campuses. You got all those fixed costs, and then all of a sudden, 
your enrollment drops uh, or your your revenue drops because you can you you can't charge as much because you're not providing the same level of service and so forth. So those are you know big macro issues that I think will uh, show itself uh, in the next six months. I would not be surprised if there's uh, a host of schools that that simply go under that we're already teetering that this kind of puts the nail in the coffin. How it affects us directly locally. We're, our properties are in uh, University City, uh, Drexel, Penn, University of Sciences, uh, the uh, restaurant school. All of those are feeders. There's approximately 100,000 kids that run around uh, every year looking for uh, a place to live. And it's been a very, very strong market. Uh, this is, you know, uh, a, a black swan event that nobody put in their pro forma. Uh, Drexel, neither Drexel nor Penn has uh, given informal guidance that, yes, they are opening or no, they are not opening. Um, my suspicion is now that Cal State sort of was the canary in the mine uh, and took the first hit, if you will, or, or, or took the courage, had the courage to say we're not doing it, uh, that you're going to see a potential ripple uh, across the country of, you know, a, a, a Me Too uh, movement, if you will, in, in the student uh, uh, population where colleges say, I'm, I'm just not willing to take that risk. Another big piece in this puzzle is the fact that so many of these schools rely heavily on their um, foreign student population. They've got students coming from all over the world. And when you have so much uncertainty around global transit, that creates yet yet another level of risk around this. It's not just social distancing. So I think, you know, the bottom line is there are so many moving pieces. Universities need ample time to plan for their academic year. And I would tend to agree that I think we're going to see quite a few other other schools announcing um, deferral of in-person instruction until the, the second semester of, of the, this upcoming school year. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I mean, we're private housing. So the school could say, hey, we're not opening up uh, our classrooms or we're doing it in some modified fashion uh, or we're not opening our dorms. But the students could still live in our properties and have a quote unquote college experience, uh, albeit doing it online. So I'll be frank and tell you that I, I, we're still signing leases. We, we provided a, a, a rider onto our lease that if the school doesn't open up uh, for the fall semester, you know, we'll, we'll forgive the rent on the fall semester, but you're still on the hook for the spring semester. Just to sort of open up uh, the traffic, if you will, for people to make a commitment in an uncertain time, because it's, it's kind of binary. If we say, hey, if you sign a 12-month lease with us starting in September and your school doesn't open, uh, tough, you're, you're stuck with it. Nobody wants to sign up for that deal, not, nor the, neither the students nor, of course, the parents who are in many cases the guarantors behind this. So we had to kind of react to the market and, and add some flexibility uh, to, to respond to the uncertain times. But again, I would say, uh, you know, if, if we wanted to talk about opportunities in the real estate market, I think student housing is going to feel stress uh, across the country um, based on schools, uh, you know, potentially A, going under, or, or B, sitting vacant, properties, private owners, properties sitting vacant for what could be as many as, as 12 months. Um, it was a hot, hot sector for, uh, you know, the last five to 10 years as it kind of got institutionalized. Uh, and this is uh, certainly a, a pregnant pause that 
nobody could have ever dreamt of. Um, I think land costs have gone down as as construction starts will likely slow down or stop. I uh, we just got pricing back on a, on a job and I wasn't sure if labor costs were going to go down and material costs were going to go down. That was my my bet, meaning a softer economy should put wage pressure downward and material price downward. But I could also make the case for the opposite as well. Uh, you know, material pricing is now materials are harder to get. So if I need to source something from China, Europe, or or wherever, it does. Is there a clog in the system because uh, things are just traveling uh, slower these days? So whereas I I would have hoped or expected to get uh, uh, a savings, it kind of came in with earlier uh, expectations, if you will, uh, when 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 the world was a little bit more robust, if you will. Right before the, the downturn, Opportunity Zone deals were just hot, 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 hot. I've heard crickets uh, regarding those uh, in the last uh, 60 days. So uh, we've had a couple properties for sale. Uh, the buyers have, have certainly uh, walked from those deals. The lenders that were supposed to be there, we spoke to afterwards. They decided to, to just be out of the lending business for the time being. So I think there's opportunities in student housing going forward. Retail has gone from you know, dying to dead or dead to debtor. The King of Prussia Mall sitting vacant for 60 days is the most bizarre thing that any of us could ever potentially imagine. Uh, and needless to say, we're seeing the bankruptcies uh, uh, happening um, with just the changing retail climate and the changing buyers like me and you that are buying far more stuff online than, you know, 10 years ago. And I think we all saw this coming. Some have been more proactive about their their sales strategy than others, um, and that leaves a lot of vacancy in in Main Street USA uh, across the country uh, for or you know high street retail um, law office. You know as companies contract, a big company here locally, Airmark, laid off fifty thousand people out of two hundred fifty thousand. That's a you know it's a global number, and a lot of those are used to serve hot dogs in. Uh, the Philly Stadium or something, and now that that's not happening, they're sitting on the uh, on the couch. But there's, I think, generally, well, I've heard both scenarios. You can understand what if there's a contraction in the employee base that companies don't need as much space. Uh, Eric Schmidt from Google came out a couple of days ago saying companies are going to need more space because you and I don't want to sit next to each other as close any longer. I don't necessarily believe that, but. Um, you know, certainly 30 million people out of jobs. Uh, there's less need for office space. And if I'm a, a, a if I'm a uh, an owner of an office property and my loan is about to mature, it's going to be tough to get financing in in this environment. Or, or potentially, you have to come up with equity uh, at the closing table to to bring the loan to value ratios down. And lastly, hotel occupancy is is abysmal. I mean, I was at, in D.C. mid March. Uh, stayed at a lovely hotel and, uh, and and took a train down there. And that just seems like such a foreign concept right now. And at the time, it was kind of early in this whole crisis, and the hotel was pretty quiet, and the train was really quiet. And, you know, the prospect of the three of us getting on a plane right now uh, or a train or staying at a hotel just seems pretty foreign. I look forward to that day. Uh, but needless to say, if you're sitting with a five-star hotel, four-star, any star hotel, and you've got fixed costs and and no revenue coming in because nobody's traveling, 
needless to say, it's tough to pay your mortgage. So I, I think they'll be distressed in, in, I know they'll be distressed in that uh, area uh, as well. So Kevin, you've, you've painted, uh, well, it's a realistic, albeit somewhat bleak picture, uh, in spite of some of the positives around low mortgage rates and, um, you know, uh, potential incentives for buyers. The bottom line is the real estate market, both commercial and residential, is facing some very, very strong headwinds. Now, you've been through other sorts of crises. In your opinion, is there any clear-cut opportunity in all of this for somebody that is um, you know, interested in buying a home or investing in a property? Where do you see the opportunities arise in the next 12, 18, 24 months? Uh- yeah, if you have cash and want to buy a home, particularly a second home, now's a great time. Uh, first home, uh, you know, listings are are strange. Uh, I read recently that there was a seller who said, I will not let you in my house until I have a signed contract, uh, meaning there's no looky-loos. You're either a serious buyer and you're, and you're ready to show up uh, or, uh, or you're not allowed in my house. Um, so, uh, you know, I think with financial stress, uh, people will be caused to sell their properties or perhaps downsize or whatever. So I think there will be opportunities in the uh, uh, in the single family home or, or condo market and so forth. Uh, as you've already pointed out, rates to, to buy homes are, haven't, haven't been this low in probably 80 years. Uh, so it's a great time to buy. You just have to have the courage to say, I'm still going to have a job 30 days from now uh, or six months from now or whatever nut that you're you're signing up for today is, is going to be able to be carried through what's likely, a, you know, a slog in in the overall market, uh, you know, except for a few bright spot, spots like, you know, you happen to be creating a vaccine for uh, COVID. Uh, you're, you're busier than ever. Uh, everyone else is obviously taken a little bit of a hit. So I think there's a general softness. A, traffic is is down. Uh, B, are, people are not excited to move, period, because they just don't want to deal with the hassle. Uh, but I do think um, uh, that there's opportunities in the, in the single family home market, um, especially based on on rates. As I shared, land prices, I think, are, uh, are, are got a lot cheaper. Uh, retail, if you dare, uh, is got pro- to buy it is a lot cheaper. Office is probably a lot cheaper. Hotels is probably a lot cheaper. Those are the areas that I would be focusing on. And I'm trying not to drink my own Kool-Aid, Ruben, and say apartments are, uh, uh, you know, the only safe haven. But but my tenant pool is diversified across 100 people or 200 people, not a single tenant like WeWork. Kevin, I think this has been really insightful and you've given us a ton to think about and really proven how essential real estate is as a part of our lives, our daily lives, um, even the economy. This is really a major part of this whole picture. Um, And we could spend probably hours dissecting all the different elements here. But I think it's, you know, important to note that there are challenges, but as you said, there are also opportunities and to sort of watch what happens over the next six months, 12 months, and for those who are bold enough to really plan ahead even farther in the future to get 
good deals right now. So we appreciate all the insight today. Again, we were joined by Kevin Michaels, managing partner at Cross Properties, a real estate investment and development company headquartered in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Emily Rubin, joining us today. It's good being out. Thank you. Be safe. Sometimes you gotta stay. Hey.